everyone that I've spoken to that has written something that has been a labor of love have usually been doing something when it comes to wanting to answer a question in their own life. And Beyond Resilient can be ostensibly seen as an instruction manual for how to create something that you've always wanted in your life, particularly coaching business. Welcome to the Daily Authors Podcast, a daily podcast all about books and the authors who gave them life. Each episode, your host interviews a new brilliant author as they reveal inside information about their incredible books and inspiring lives. Now, here's your host, Aaron Gendel. Hey, Aaron Gendel here. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. It means so, so much to me. And maybe you've been thinking about writing a book of your own. And if so, do not wait. The world is hurting and needs your help. It needs your book. I would love to help you on your journey to write your book. So simply email me at Aaron at dailyauthors.com and I'd love to hear about your book idea. Now enjoy the show. All right. Thank you so much, Mark, for joining me on the Daily Authors Podcast. So, so excited today to talk to you about your book, Beyond Resilient, The Coach's Guide to Ecstatic Growth. Thanks again, Mark, for joining me on the show. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me, Aaron. Awesome. Well, before we get into your book, Mark, if you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit more about yourself and your work and what you've got going on right now. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, currently, I, I'm a positive psychology coach. So it's post Beyond Resilient. I got my coaching uh, program off the ground. And uh, I do one-on-ones, uh, a lot of it with people who feel like they're misfit toys or you know, they're non-conventional entrepreneurs. And want to think a little bit outside of the status quo box and do things in a way that makes sense for them and also for the greater good. Um, I've got two programs that are doing pretty decently. I'm having a good time with it. One is called Make Money Coaching, and it straight up is for coaches who are starting their program. It's kind of an extension of Beyond Resilient. Uh, and then there's another one which celebrates um, over 20 years of being in uh, diversity and multicultural services, uh, social justice, and uh, positive psychology. It's called the Joy Revolution. Awesome. Um, and in That's that great. baby, yeah, that baby is a lot of fun. You, uh, you write chapters, you write your TED Talk, and it's all about service to uh, the community. So uh, a lot of good stuff. And it started mm-hmm. with the Beyond Resilient book um, and just like getting a couple thoughts down and where I wanted to go. And every little step, it got more clear and more clear about what I wanted to do and what I didn't want to do. So, yeah. Awesome, man. Sounds like you've got some very cool things going on right now, Mark. Yeah, not, as, not as cool as having palm trees in my, in my thing, but it's, I, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. I mean, when you work and it, it's a nine to five and you think that's the only choice that you have in life, and then you get this bug that, whoa, I can actually create my life by design. There's something very freeing about it. And um, that's what the book is partially about, is like overcoming that that stigma that nine to five is the way to go. And then everyone else thinks you're freaking crazy. Is this a PG show, by the way? (laughs) It's, uh, we got some... Okay. (laughs) You can swear, I guess, if that's what you're asking. (laughs) Okay, okay, just making sure. But yeah, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of freedom and autonomy that's created and, and we don't have to wait until we're retired to live our best years. And, and so that's really what has gotten me into uh, sort of this idea of uh, a revolution of joy, doing it through coaching, uh, aha moments, empowering, um, empowering others. Uh, it's really cool. 
you know, and, and just yeah. because I say positive psychology, it doesn't mean like you ignore the bullshit. Like you directly face the bullshit as well, but it's starting with what's going right. And we often forget that. Yeah. Awesome mission, man. Yeah. I think it's super needed in our culture today getting past that whole industrial revolution thing that we have to put the nine to five grind in some office or somewhere that we can really just uh, work towards what we're passionate about. So love it. You're so right. I mean, we're not in the industrial revolution in, anymore. We're in the, in, uh, we're in the revolution of the mind. Yeah. Right. And that thing works not on a nine to five schedule, right? Yeah. It, it works when it works for you, right? For some people in the morning, some people in the evenings, some people, they take three days off, you know? And, and so in terms of optimizing your life, not only for like maximum hedonic pleasure, um, you can maximize it for what your mind needs to put out the best stuff in your zone of genius. Yeah. Amazing. Well, let's dive into your book, Mark. Uh, you've kind of teased us with it. So let's talk about it and a bit more about maybe what inspired you to write it and also just that high-level overview so the listeners can get a glimpse into it. I think everyone who writes, and this is me saying an I term, so it's, it's, it's a small truth, but everyone that I've spoken to that has written something that has been a labor of love have usually been doing something when it comes to wanting to answer a question in their own life. And Beyond Resilient can be ostensibly seen as an instruction manual for how to create something that you've always wanted in your life, particularly coaching business, right? Um, But for me, to grow up in both a Filipino collectivist mentality and then this, um, like, all-star United States place where it's being a rugged individual. I think the question that I've always asked myself, whether it be in coaching or writing or therapy, is this question of how can I stand out as an individual without having to apologize to my collective? How can I have the best of both worlds? And so really the Beyond Resilient was about how can I create a place where the community lifts me up rather than me having to apologize to it. And also at the same time, maybe feelings of shame and guilt for not following the footsteps of whoever legacy came before me, Hmm. getting rid of that and just being my best self, right? Um, And so that's where the book kicks off, Aaron. It kicks off with me doing everything right. I had gotten my master's degree in public health. I was in a PhD program. Hmm. Um, I was an associate director in a pretty high-ranking higher ed institution. And at the time, I was, I was working in, in the health office, both mental health, positive psychology, and then other things like sex education and stuff like that. And I found myself during the university's homecoming handing out condoms during a Smash Mouth concert <laughs> on a Saturday. And my son was just born. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is what it's come down to for me. Like, this is what life has become. All the dreams and aspirations to precede my parents who like left their families in the Philippines has come down to me giving condoms out in, at a Smash Mouth con- concert. Wow. And I asked myself a question that most of my students had been asking themselves. There's got to be more to life than this. 
And so really the book started with that, with me being at the Smash Mouth concert and being like, this is F to the max. Like, I can't think of, I can't think of a more unhappy way to spend my life. And I had become the most like unhappy positive psychologist wow. around. Also, and so I started thinking about starting my own coaching company. But also at the same time, I was looking at coaching. And again, this is my, this is my, this is my opinion. Come at me if you want to, that's fine. But there was not enough empirical data out there showing um, that certain techniques that we use in coaching work. And for me, it wasn't enough. And so what I had done was I had taken sort of this wacky story of being a condom flinger and uh, I, and I kind of kept the kind of a sort of the brash funness of it and I mixed it with, okay, here's what coaches do to start up and also here's what positive psychology says about that. And so I merged positive psychology and coaching together in hopes that if someone were, were to read this, they could either start uh, their own coaching program or they could co coach themselves using the data. And the cool thing is that is I've had both people start their own. I've, I've had people start their own company. And then I've had things like, um, like roller derby athletes say <laughs> they read my book and they're a better roller derby player for reading it. Wow. I mean, it just depends on the context of how you read it. Right. Yeah. And so I, I don't know about y'all and, and you, you know, you, Aaron, because I think you've written your own book, right? A couple yeah. books. And for those of you watching, I don't know how you feel now, like looking back like three years and you're like, oh my God, I wouldn't have said that. It's, you know, like, because our work is a draft in progress. It's always yeah, totally. changing. We're never the same. And so um, I look back at it and I'm like, oh my God, that's so not me anymore. But I do see that as being like sort of this uh, screen cap of like where I was, what I was thinking, just how limiting my beliefs were, Man. and how much work I've put into since then, you know, going from there, you know, but like, it, it was a piece of love there that I threw <laughs> out there and uh, gained a couple pounds because I was writing in the middle of the night and it is what it is. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing the insights, man. Uh, I wondered if you could share a little bit more about your coaching, I guess, techniques and what you might recommend to someone who was interested in, say, starting a coaching program. I'm curious to know a little bit more there. Yeah, I mean, I think anyone who's curious to start a coaching program, like, start one now if you want, um, because it's the Wild West right now. Like, there's the International Coaching Federation um, that's kind of the regulating body, but there's a whole bunch of rogue coaches out there that are doing whatever the hell they want. Yeah. And part, again, part of the reason I wrote this book was I was raised to do no harm. Like all the oaths, medical oaths, farm oaths, uh, educational oaths, do yeah. no harm. And like at this point, like I don't see an oath like that that we're all taking in coaching. So first start with the aspect of do no harm. The other piece is shut the fuck up and listen. A lot of coaches think that they're all, it's all about advice. That's more mentoring. That's more other things. Coaching is truly creating, and I mean, I'm going to go into coach talk, but it's creating a place where, like what you're doing right now, Aaron, you're, you're giving me a couple prompts, but then you're letting me go. You're letting me be my best self. And then I realized, oh, the book's not as bad as I thought, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and really, that's what, what coaching is about. 
if you're looking to start a coaching program, one of the things is um, there will be a time where you move from the traditional time for money paradigm and go into a paradigm where it's you're charging for the transformation, right? So like time for money would be like, okay, I'm going to spend 9,000 hours ghostwriting your book, right? Versus like, okay, how much would you pay to have a book that's ghostwritten in which it gets you on the Today Show, it gets your point across, and it, on a mega level, changes a lot of lives. Yep. You know, so, so that's one of the things that, that happens in coaching programs. I think the whole piece about listening, though, start with the listening piece. The other thing, too, is um, try, don't do it all. You know, a lot of coaches think that they can do it all. They can deal with people with trauma. If you haven't had uh, training in trauma and you're working with people in trauma just because you had trauma, you're a dumbass. You're a dumb person because you're going to cause people someone in trauma to possibly go into even worse trauma. Yeah. So the people that we work with are people who are not in trauma, but what I call settling, they're settling for a life less than what they imagined or striving. They're working too hard for something that's not their own. Like their parents told them to be a doctor and they're busting ass to try to get that. And they're getting no happiness on a daily basis. That's the perfect place for coaching, um, not trauma-based, tra- not, not trauma-informed. That's therapy. Yeah. You know? That's my opinion on things. You know, There's plenty of people out there, because it is the Wild West, who can say, hey, I, was, you know, I went through my own trauma, which means that I can be a trauma coach. And it, no. No, there's so much more to it. Um, and there's so many dark places. There's so many parts of your shadow that have to be explored that if you don't know it, you're going to harm somebody. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Great words of wisdom, man. I appreciate you sharing those. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Is this going anywhere where you wanted it to go? We're just kind of free. I love that we just kind of freestyle like this, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying myself, man. So, like, Likewise. Likewise. Uh, who knows if this makes it on the air, people, but <laughs> having a good time too. Awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit more about you, Mark. I'm always curious to know a little bit more about authors because I, again, think it's a huge accomplishment to write a book. So congrats again on yours. Wanted to know who has influenced you the most in your life to be who you are today. Uh, Authors or anybody, anybody that stands. I mean, you take somebody like, uh, like Aristotle. I mean, in terms of the stuff that Aristotle dropped, amazing stuff, amazing stuff. And when it comes to sort of the way that he could convey things um, in a simple, easy way to understand, absolutely love it. Um, in terms of the way that I run business, you're talking about like Han Solo. Right? <laughs> it's, I've got an old beat up jalopy, and, but like I sure as hell know how to operate it, right? <laughs> right? And also at the same time, when it's time to come through for my friends, I come through, but I have my own like limitations and my own limiting beliefs it looks like you're a star wars fan you, you, yeah you oh, yeah yeah okay, i was cool. watching solo the other day so yeah it, it, it right on so you yeah. know what's up with that right yeah, yeah. you know and, and then plus i'm a total wimp around women as well just like solo <laughs> is you're talking about uh when i coach I, I mean the type of energy i want someone to feel is like the energy um not for me but just like they're at wrestlemania uh, right like the rock is in the room and they're like <laughs> nice. damn like 
or, or like Freddie Mercury, right? Like a concert, like that kind of palpable energy, right? Yeah. Um, in terms of recent authors, uh, I've been most impressed with the work of, well, this isn't recent, but I love how Chuck Klosterman writes. He's a punk ass. He doesn't apologize for it. You know, the readability test. He's like, fuck the readability test. If you don't know my words, you don't know my words. But it makes sense. Like, I learned my vocab from Chuck Klosterman. And I also love how he takes the mundane and turns it into these very thoughtful things to, to process, which means that, like, every single micro moment that we're alive, including this very talk, you and I, Aaron, have the the possibility to co-create something that will never be co-created again. Yeah. And that's what I love about Klosterman stuff. Nadia Bowles-Weber, if you've read Pastrix, hmm. she takes a very dry subject, like, uh, again, I'm going to piss off a couple of people. She <laughs> takes a dry subject, like, you know, kind of Lutheran Christianity, and she turns it into like this amazing read where it's just like, Okay, let's think about what Jesus would be like today. He would have tossed a table or two, he would have cursed over like social media and stuff like that. And sort of the way that she kind of makes things that are inaccessible, accessible, I love it. And I, I think that's one of my credos in writing is whether you're leading a re- revolution, whether you're giving a TED Talk or whether you're writing, we each have a special gift of noticing what to us feels like an elephant in the room, right? And to everyone else, it's part of the invisible tapestry of life. And so I feel like the responsibility of the writer is to make the invisible visible, yeah. you know? Um, in, in terms of like the way that women have traditionally been treated, that has always been a part of the invisible norms. And now it's not, it's not cool. Right. Um, It's been I wouldn't say it's been addressed, but it's being addressed. It's coming forward in the same way that um, Asian-Americans in the 60s and 70s were called model minorities. Not cool. It's not cool to do that because you limit Asian-Americans to being lawyers, doctors and nurses and engineers, you know, and it doesn't give room for Asian-Americans who are reading these magazines and reading these books and only seeing characters who are like the evil Kung Fu bad guy or like the nerd, uh, you know, the math nerd. We want more. I want to see more stories with like front men who are Asian American, you know? And so like that comes from making the invisible visible. And to me, that's the primary responsibility of anyone who's trying to do community change through writing or whatever other medium um, or media they choose fit. I mean, do you agree? Do you disagree? Yeah. Well, yeah, I love it. I love your explanation for it because, I mean, that's exactly why I started writing and it started thinking about my kids, but then my mind expanded to, you know, how many other people can it influence? How can they benefit? The same for this podcast here. It's really connecting with as many authors as I can to get their story out there and for who knows how many others could be influenced by just us talking here today, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, or in the future. I mean, yep. it's November 2019 now, but this might hit somebody 10 years from now. And exactly. I mean, it's amazing the way that the, these things work and, and why it 
reaffirms that we're in an age of the mind right now. Yeah. I love that. I love, uh, I haven't heard that said. So I, I thank you for uh, sharing that with us. You're welcome, brother. All right. Well, you've covered the book. You've covered yourself a bit more. And, uh, <laughs> I did actually want to ask you about uh, a particular failure, if you don't mind, because I know a lot of times we learn the most from those and wondered if there was some kind of failure or quote unquote failure, because a lot of times those are our learning lessons, right? But something like that you'd like to share with the listeners today. All the time. All, all the time. I mean, I, I think, uh, you, you know, that first job I, I was in, I was fired, you huh. know? So like, you know, that's when I knew that I was no, like the second I was fired, I knew that it was the right thing not to be fired, but to go into entrepreneurship. Because I remember saying to myself, I'm never working for any motherfucker again. <laughs> like I'm working for myself because yeah. that's how much I believe in myself, you know, now how to do it. I don't know, you know, uh, failures with writing the book, you know, like I used to think that it, like I had to sit down in front of a computer and just blast it out all in one shot. You know, I'm not that type of writer. I write in little spurts. In, in fact, I write in post-it notes. And so like, the post-it notes will be like one sentence each. Sorry, environmentalist, but like that's the only way I know how to do it right now. I then put it into, um, you know, I then put it into slides and rearrange the slides. But like before that, I had never finished a paper even, wow. even in my PhD program. <laughs> I didn't finish writing any of my writings. I had never finished. So wow. like I, I consider the book an accomplishment. I was lucky enough to give two TEDx's um, in the past couple months, but um, I think I had been rejected like 14 straight times in a row. And then all of a sudden it kept, it kept coming. Like the, the invites kept coming. And, and, and really what I've learned about those pieces is if you are really clear about what it is that you want to achieve, you know that those knee scrapes and those fall downs are inevitable. Um, and my coach at the time, when I was writing the, my book, said, there are things that will feel very real to you, but also at the same time, in service to others, make a choice. And so I was like, whatever. Dad got sick. And I was like, that's very real. I'm going to stop writing. And, but also at the same time, like the second I, I, I got that situated back to writing, hurricane fell on my house. Roof collapsed. Oh, wow. Writing in the candlelight. I remember if you, if you guys download the book from uh, Mark Cordone, M-A-R-C-C-O-R-D-O-N.com, it's free. There's a chapter when it, where I talk about going beyond resilience and becoming anti-fragile. And I wrote that chapter by candlelight on post-it notes. Plenty of times I failed. I mean, I failed coming on here. I was freaking 15 <laughs> minutes late, bro. I mean, it's one blunder after another. And then at the end of the day, being able to look in the camera or look in your own camera and mirror and, and really practice self-compassion and love like you practice with other people. So, you know, that's a work in progress. But yeah, fail all, I'm failing all the time, man. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Sounds like the, the, the magic's in keeping going, right? <laughs> I, I think so, man. I think so. I got a roof over my head. And so like, what, are, what do I really have to complain about? You know, so... You know, I, I think in terms of being able to sit down every day and write it, write something, whether it be a short piece or something that's going to go into my next book, I get to sit in gratitude and just write, you know, and, and 
what else could someone who wants to write and spread their ideas want? Yeah. Awesome. Very cool stuff, Mark. Well, I wanted to ask one last question about the book writing process and get your thoughts on what you feel has been the very best part of writing a book for you. Oh, that's great. That is a great question. I don't like writing. I have to tell you that you probably figured it out. I don't particularly enjoy it. What I do um, like to do is I like to get into and embody who I truly am, whatever that means, right? Like, who is Mark? What does he stand for? And how would this sound if I read it out loud? Is it still me? And so in many ways, um, the writing process is very much an extension of my entire communication process. High energy, don't really hold back, you know, a little bit ADHD all over the place. And then with some nice metaphors every now and then, right? With a very clear path at the end with what it is that I'd like the reader to be challenged to do at the end. Because we can read a lot of books, but if at the end of the day you do nothing with it, you know, that's on you, not the writer. So for me, the, the funnest part of the process was finding my voice in it. Because I really was coming into book writing from an academic standpoint, you know, going through a master's program. Uh, Undergrad was neuroscience. So all I wrote about was the brain. And then in my PhD program, it it was all about like fundamental human development theory. And it was boring. And so like I had to talk about World of Warcraft and professional wrestling. (laughs) And like I failed everything. I didn't even finish the papers. But like those little snippets where I talked about World of Warcraft and professional wrestling became the impetus for me to put Beyond Resilient together because I imagined like if I was sitting with somebody eating chips at a bowling alley and they wanted to hear about what I do, I wouldn't say it in a doctorate or an empirical sound place. I'd just be like, you see that bowling ball there? Yep. Like I fucking do the same, you know, like it'd be like that kind of interaction. Um, I want people to write, read the book and to um, come out of it, not being like, eh, I want them to feel really passionate about it or like they really hate it. Cause that to me means my voice came through. Ah. That to me means I took a stance on something. And um that's cool because there's a, there's a group of people who it's not working right now with coaching and with the way that they're trying to do things. And so this is just another counter cultural piece that they can read that can maybe um, open something up for them. So really finding my voice was the biggest thing. And that led to speaking engagements and, and other stuff that I never thought that I'd be able to do. Awesome. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Books are so powerful in that way. And uh, yeah, man, thanks so much for sharing it with us today. I did want to ask if I missed anything. So if there's anything at all uh, you'd like to share, anything else? And or if, uh, you know, there's a question you would ask yourself if you were in my shoes, what would that be? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, if you look up, um, if you go to uh, the TED Talk site, the www, or if you go to TEDx Talks on YouTube and you look for my name, Mark, M-A-R-C-C-O-R-D-O-N, um, and you look for a, a, a presentation I gave called um, Extraordinary Growth on Every Day or on Mundane Days. So one of the things that I'm letting out of the, the bag, this is the first time I've ever told anybody actually in, in public, is this time around I'm starting with the speech. 
And the speech is informing the next book. It's a book about mental health. Yeah. And so like, um, for those of you who want to check it out, definitely go check it out and give me your ideas. I'm looking for examples like a Malcolm Gladwell book. So if you, if you want to be interviewed on it and stuff like that, I'm looking for those things. Um, and of course, if you're interested, download the book, uh, www.markcordon.com. The book is there and uh, enjoy it, read it, stay in touch with me, find me on Facebook, chat with me. And then the final thing is if you go to the Joy Revolution, thejoyrevolution.org, and you click stay in the know, it's an example of how I've taken literature, so things that I've read and written, and turned it into storytelling and teaching. So like, it's so close. All of it is so close to each other, right? But like, if you, so for me, it's all kind of the same thing. What is it that I want to communicate? Then I communicate it in Instagram. I communicate it on a Facebook post. Then I communicate it in a book. Then I communicate it in a speech. And then I'll communicate it in in maybe a class. But it's all the same essence. It's just the medium of presentation and to respect that medium. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, well, it's, that's the awesome thing about today's day and age, right, man? It's, uh, it's such a great opportunity for us all to connect with others and share a message. So appreciate you sharing yours today with me, Mark. And I appreciate yeah, just had, it. I had a blast talking to you. I did too. Thank you so much, Aaron. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. Be sure to visit dailyauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content.